0: hello and welcome to ladies who london podcast i'm emily dell and i'm alex lacey and we're qualified london blue badge tourist guides keep it together em (laughs) each week we bring to you some of the best bits of london (laughs) it's gonna be one of those weeks we talk about our favorite people places and events with a bit of information a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun we can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London Podcast and on our website skydemini.com. and alexlacey.com as well as information about, uh, uh, oh I've forgotten, information about <laughs> us and, and the things. Yes, that ending really needs uh, oh, a, a, dearie me. a flourish doesn't it? It really <laughs> does. You,
1: Very well, how are you?
0: I think we're both so tired that we're
1: <laughs> just losing <laughs> we're, the plot. Yeah,
0: yeah. God, we're in peak season now aren't we? We are in peak season. Yes,
1: it's suddenly, um, well, it's like a tornado has just <laughs> ran through London and it's full of tourists. Yes. And it's fantastic. It's
0: Welcome brilliant. back. We are very, very tired. But then it's funny because after two years of COVID and, you know, not really doing much, it's 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 quite it's a bit of shock to the system, isn't it? To suddenly yes. be really busy. Um and doing, oh, yeah, I remember why I was so tired. Well, it's, it's
1: the talking, isn't it? Like, yeah. when you're guiding all day, I don't know about you, but when I suddenly get on the tube and I come down to my own level, you know, where you suddenly go, oh, okay, I can kind of like, breathe a little bit now. Yeah. And you suddenly realise how much you've been talking all day. <laughs> yeah. And here we are doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a walk I had a
0: two-hour nap today. Two-hour nap, yeah. mate, honestly. I know. Oh. Wow, lucky which, you! I left a bit late in the afternoon, so it basically felt like it was an early night. <laughs> Jesus, had to get up to do the podcast. Oh gosh! <laughs> I had a fun day today, running around with a group of uh, six-year-old girls. We were learning about Mary Seacole. Oh, did.
1: lovely! Uh, yeah, it was fantastic.
0: So, if oh. Alyssa is listening, hi Alyssa, who uh, booked me to do the tour. It was great. We did. They managed an hour and a half, which was longer than we, than, than we were expecting, and then they all wanted to die by the end. So. We uh, we took them off for ice cream, but it was it was really oh, fun. That's so yeah. cute. They were six six, six. years old. Six
1: years oh, old.
0: amazing! Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. lovely. What Very have you been nice up to indeed.
1: today? Um, we actually went to Forest Hill today because it's an area that we're thinking about kind of moving in the direction to. And um, we went to the Horny Man Museum. Have oh, you ever been?
0: Great, isn't it? The overstuffed walrus. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> the gardens as well was so beautiful and I didn't realise the view that you get up there over London oh, yeah. it was delicious it's very hilly around there though so if you're cycling very it's, hilly it's quite very very hilly though, uh, yeah we had the push chair and it was like <laughs> 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 this is lovely <laughs> yeah amazing um, yeah and I've ended the day with bangers and mash and uh, I'm ready for one of your two hour naps I think
0: fabulous amazing. yeah <laughs> well uh, do you have any shout outs this week
1: I do actually Um, so we had a lovely message from Elizabeth Apear Kuzi I'm so sorry I've pronounced your name wrong you know me and my (laughs) pronunciations (laughs) but she's so cute so she has told us that um, my son's homework was to make a booklet with all the things you know about London and the first thing he chose was something he learned from the podcast and she's um, sent us these fantastic pictures of the book that he's created and it's all about the beer flood
0: is it really that yeah. is amazing. Yeah.
1: So cute. So so cute. Oh, yeah, so, so thank much, you so Elizabeth. much for that. It's lovely.
0: That's gorgeous. Oh, well, I'm I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, getting him in on beer early, ugh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, How old's your son? <laughs> <He's> Twenty-seven. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure I've got shout-outs this week, but I have to say I've been so so busy that I just haven't been able to think. So apologies if anyone oh. is owed a shout out. I will try and get back on it next week. Um, we do need to remind you that we have one week left of our competition to win a fantastic <gasps> t-shirt. We've had lo- we've had loads of entries, which is really great. Um, and yeah, it's um, it's a it's beautiful t-shirt. So if you're If you didn't listen to last week, we have a competition running with um, one of our listeners who runs a company called Jolly and Good with an E on the end uh, for a lovely T-shirt that was inspired by the Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens. And, And Eric actually emailed me last week to say... I was inspired by the aquarium as well. And he's done a t shirt with a dead whale on, which I'm loving. It's got a dead whale <laughs> it's on got it. It's absolutely
1: epic. It is so good. Because it's like, you know, you see people with t shirts with fish and, you know, all sorts of things diving into water or whatever.
0: And it's a dead, a whale. dead, whale. A dead whale. It's upside down. It's dead. <laughs> which brings us on to our podcast pedestal from last week. So we yes. talked about the Royal Aquarium. Uh, not the London Aquarium, the Royal Aquarium. All about this slightly bonkers entertainment centre with the all manner of crazy stuff that went on, including um, fish impressions, which was your pick for uh, the podcast pedestal yeah. uh, by a guy who was a, a sort of champion diver and swimmer uh, who decided he was going to make people laugh with. Impressions of different fish. Just so bizarre. I just thought it was fantastic. An odd sort of uh, skill to have. Weird party trick.
1: Yeah, I don't know if anybody guessed correctly, but I think, as I said last week, it was his plan B. You know, if he kind of missed where he was diving it all went wrong, he was going to bring out those fish impressions. But he was in such a good mood that the dive went well that he was like, do you know what? They're coming
0: out anyway. Although, in fairness, if he did miss where he was trying to dive, there wouldn't have been a plan B really No, that's true. No, I don't think he would have been able to
1: blink, let alone, you know, do his famous salmon impression, so yeah
0: it's, it's bonkers isn't it I love it mm. and then mm. my pick was the dead whale which was the almost like an in joke when this aquarium wasn't really an aquarium it, it was just full of empty empty tanks and the, they put a whale in who probably died and then they just left it in there and it became a, 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 sort of, a kind of an eyesore and a, a, a running joke um but for me that was the the <sighs> overriding image of that it's <laughs> of the royal crazy aquarium. And to, um, well, a couple of days ago, I was doing a
1: tour over near Westminster Abbey looking at the building. Um, uh, well, looking at the Methodist Central Hall, which used to be where the aquarium was. And I was telling them, you know, there was a dead whale in a tank there. I was <laughs> like, I would never have said that if it wasn't for what you did they telling say? me. This. <laughs> They were kind of like, okay, right, I have paid to listen to this. <laughs> but uh, that's what they got.
0: Tell us about the Abbey, you weirdo.
1: <laughs> exactly. Amazing. But, yeah, so that was your pick. That was my pick. So which way do you think it's gone this week? Oh, it must have gone in the direction of the dead whale.
0: It has. Yay! I'm
1: not surprised. I'm not surprised. How could you not vote for that?
0: <laughs> Thank you. You know, very and fine, it's we're not 38%. saying... percent.
1: Is the way it went. Yeah. That's a big one, Alex. That's
0: a big one. I'm happy with that. A wow. dead whale has got wow. me my win. I think
1: that's uh that's the biggest win that we've we've had this year, I think. Possibly in terms of percentages. Yeah, possibly. Wow.
0: Yay! Dead whale's. Almost thinking, win.
1: should we give you an extra point? No. Bonus point. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not be silly. Of course not. So okay. do you know what that means? What's that? That means, uh, and I just need to double oh, check, evil. but I think that we are equal. Get away! I
0: know. Oh, I was so happy. Yeah.
1: We so happy. are equal now. This is insane. I thought I was Forrest Gump and running ahead, but no.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, Forrest Gump stopped eventually. He did, didn't he? Yeah. Yes. And yes. then he met the president, but I don't know if yeah. would do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, that could happen. Perhaps.
0: <laughs> right, well, let's get on with this week's episode.
1: Mm -mm. where are we off to so uh i don't know if you remember but uh the wheel the famous wheel of destiny landed in the area of saint james Mm. and i decided that uh, well i kind of knew that i wanted to talk (laughs) about Oh, you you didn't decide you just (laughs) i have told you there is not a magnet or debbie mcgee behind this wheel wherever it lands I come up with something and I came up with St James's Palace which is connected to the Tudors um, it was built under the orders of King Henry VIII and I am a big Tudor lover especially when it comes to what they ate how they ate their
0: etiquette so that's what I'm going to focus on today Amazing. Oh, and before you do that, I have to tell you, mm. I was on uh, BBC Radio this week talking about yeah. St. James's Palace. <gasps> oh, gosh, yes. yes. How did it go? Yeah, it was good. It was good. I was chatting uh, to a lovely lady called uh, Selma, and we had a great chat about St. About James's Palace and the history of it and all that kind of thing. We didn't talk about Tudor food, um, but, yeah.
1: Fantastic. That was very nice. Ooh, look at you. Look at you. <laughs> um, Cool. So, we're going to talk about the Tudors. Well, I'm going to talk about the Tudors and also just, you know, the common people, how they ate as well. And the period that we're talking about is from about the 1480s, 1485, I think, um, with King Henry VII. Mm. And then this goes all the way towards 1603, and it ends with Elizabeth I. And when it comes to food, it was so important... You know for all societies they believed that food was um, important for the body it aided uh, medicinal purposes it healed you with all sorts of different ailments um, and they were quite intelligent when it came about food and they questioned a lot about what they ate and where it came from
0: mm.
1: and you know today we're lucky because you have canned food. Well, I don't know if you're really lucky if you've got, <laughs> you, know, you, can, you know, spam. Um, no, but it's so easy, convenient. You can pop something in the microwave. You can enjoy fruit and veg nearly all year round in terms of the same produce. Whereas back then, there was such a huge process in the 16th century where it started in the earth you grew it or at least it grew on your land you tended to it you understood it you baked or cooked it and you had this gigantic process so it in terms of the eating there had to be this kind of big hoo-ha around it because you put mm. so much effort into getting that onto the plate
0: Yeah.
1: And so in the way that it was dressed, everything they ate looked really good. And it said that that was the case even in households that didn't have a lot of money. You know, they took lots of pride in presenting it in a lovely way. Um, now, do you remember a few... Oh, it was quite a while ago, actually, that you told us about the sumptuary laws.
0: Yes, yeah. What, what you could and couldn't wear, depending on your status and where you were in society and all of that.
1: Yeah, exactly. So these laws also fell into the dining hall. So in terms of where you sat and where your status was, you could only have a certain number of courses. So... If you were high up the ranks and you were a member of the royal family or possibly a cardinal then you could have nine courses within you know one meal um if you were a duke an earl or kind of someone in, in that category you could have seven and then the lower class would have six and then people kind of receiving a very low income and probably um, working as servants or maids they could have three
0: that it?
1: Three-course meal. Three-course meal. I know, and you think, gosh, that's pretty gigantic. So even the people that didn't have that much money, they were still eating relatively well. And if, you know, they didn't have the finest food on their plate, they still had quite a lot of food. Um, The rich obviously had very rich food they had a lot of meat they had seafood they had sugary treats which i'll come to the poor um, had a lot of bread and something known as pottage which have you heard of pottage
0: yeah it's sort of like a thick stew isn't it almost like a soup stew type thing yeah
1: exactly it would have been very thin Um, And it it was pretty much. No,
0: I'm thinking something completely different. Yeah, it wouldn't
1: be. It would have. have, um, Yeah, it sounds like porridge, but no pottage. It would have been very kind of thin and watery. You probably would have seen various vegetables floating in it. Sometimes you would have got a bit of meat in it, such as a little bit of bacon, if you were lucky. And this is where we get the the term potluck. So it was potluck whether you were going to get a little bit of meat in it, because it was probably the leftovers from uh, the people that you have been cooking for in the house. So it was potluck if you get a bit of meat. There we go. Now they do very much think, in the Tudor times, you are what you eat. And I remember there was this big thing, kind of in the late '90s, where suddenly there was lots of documentaries and lots of TV shows about food and kind of teaching us um, how food really kind of took you on a journey through to you know your life or where you were going to go. So this is what the Tudors definitely believed. They really looked at the food, as I said at the beginning, like it was medicine. Like it was going to help them in certain areas. And one thing that they believed was that eating a lot of meat was very good for you. <laughs> now, right. some of the things they believed um, weren't completely true, um, but they thought about it. They tried to educate themselves with the knowledge that they had. And when it came to meats, of course, you had lots of farmers, you had lots of people that were landowners, that had cattle if you had a lot of money you probably could eat meat all year round Mm -hmm. but if you didn't you probably ended up having to slaughter most of your animals around the winter time and this was because that you probably just didn't have enough food to keep you going through winter and also the cost of feeding the animals was incredibly expensive Mm. and they would have this uh, kind of slaughter day if you like which was the 11th of November, and it was called the Feast of Martinus. Ooh, Have you heard of this? I, I, no, I've not heard of this. So this was um, uh, kind of connected to this Roman soldier, St. Martin, and he decided to convert to Christianity and was basically imprisoned because he refused to fight. Oh. Um, he ended up becoming a monk. He founded a monastery and, and a became, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> became a bishop. But then he tried to actually avoid becoming a bishop. So uh, you've got a bit of a theme here. So he didn't want to be a soldier. He didn't want to go to war. He yeah. also didn't want to become a bishop. So he ended up hiding in a goose pen. Classic. But people found him because the geese started to make a lot of noise. No kidding. <laughs> so on the 11th of November, a tradition started where people would eat um, geese. Oh, the geese that gave him away. Oh. Yeah, because it was kind of like a, in order to help punish the geese.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so harsh. Isn't
1: it? So, uh, so yeah, so this would be quite a big event on the 11th of November. And they would have blood pudding, which I guess is kind of like black pudding today. Yeah, that's
0: exactly that, yeah. Do you like black pudding? Um, Yes and no. It's not something that I would necessarily kind of go oh yeah i'll have that but if it's there I'll, I'll eat it there's a particularly good one that they do in spain called murcia which has Ooh. lovely spices in it and rice and oh that is now that i will definitely yeah that's incredible oh nice i love
1: black pudding nick hates it so if we ever like you know in a situation where we both have a fry up and he has it on his plate oh <laughs> i'm having it I'm absolutely having it um So, yes, so obviously if you've got wealthy landowners, then they're going to have a lot more cattle and they'll slaughter when they need to and not kind of, you know, wipe out their whole stock. And the rich are, of course, allowed to hunt. Whereas if you are somebody that doesn't have too much money, then this could possibly result in hanging. Mm. And meat at this point, it was quite affordable in comparison to what it was like say 50 or 100 years before even if you were you know pretty poor you did have meat at some point through the week and in the 18th century a little bit down the line meat becomes incredibly expensive and it's very hard to have it if you don't have that much money
0: it's not always fresh meat though is it it's often cured salted yeah um, you know, preserved in some way. Yeah,
1: yeah, true. Um, and it's how the Yorkshire pudding ends up coming to be. Oh. Do, you,
0: do you know about the Yorkshire pudding? I mean, I know about a Yorkshire pudding. I've eaten well, many a Yorkshire pudding. I don't know yes. where it comes from, though.
1: So, um, so if you, you have a explain Sunday explain what dinner. they are for, for our... Yeah, um, so, oh, so a, a Yorkshire residents. pudding is not actually sweet, so it's savoury. It's basically made out of batter, so you're going to make it out of milk and eggs, a little bit of... Is it a bit of flour? Bit of flour. flour. In there? I haven't uh, made homemade Yorkshire puddings for a yeah, while, wow, yeah, thanks flour, to Aunt yeah. Bessie. Um, <laughs> um, but these today, you would get it on your Sunday roast dinner, but these were created to eat before your main meal in the hope that it was going to fill up your stomach because you probably didn't actually have that much meat or mm-hmm. anything in your main meal. So they were originally created for people to, to fill up. But now, of course, they're quite a uh, quite a delicacy, <laughs> yeah.
0: and they overfill sometimes. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, on, on the tour that I was doing yesterday, we'd done a huge food tour in the morning, and then we were sitting in a pub doing a beer tasting, and um, these these huge plates with massive Yorkshire puddings were coming past us, and they, and oh. my guests were like, "Oh, what are they? What are they?" Um, but yeah, they 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 come enormous. Oh, they? they're
1: fantastic, aren't they? Just so crispy as well, and like soft yeah. in the middle. Um, anyway, going back to the Tudors. Um, they would eat things that maybe we wouldn't particularly fancy today so they would have swans they would have uh, something called peacock royal which -hmm. was a very popular dish where a peacock was skinned stuffed with dried fruits and spices it would then be cooked and then placed back inside its feathered skin
0: I mean, it does sound delicious, and maybe not the feathered skin bit, but yeah. Oh,
1: God, I don't know. (laughs) Because they wanted it to look as it did when it was alive. And for me, that just, it just would not work. But then saying that, they did also change some of their dishes to look like other things. So they would cook chickens, and they would cover the chicken, or they would kind of stitch chickens together, which is really odd. So you'd have this, it wouldn't look like a chicken anymore. They would turn it into things like, uh, like lizards. So you would have maybe three chickens stitched together so it looks long, and then you would cover it with kind of um, different herbs and leaves to make it green, and then kind of create this head at the front. <laughs> they were quite so funny, weird. the Tudors. You know, when it came to... Um, to entertaining people that would be a conversation piece and you're going to be eating in most of these occasions especially if you're Henry VIII at Hampson Court Palace for instance a lot of these meals would go on for two hours at least mm. so to have you know, at least something on the table that you can talk about <laughs> Is that, Has anyone eaten the lizard yet? <laughs> it would be like Shh, don't tell everybody but it's not really a lizard <laughs>
0: That's so weird I yeah. love it
1: Now in Hampton Court Palace one of the wonderful things you can do is you can go into the old Tudor kitchens which are painted white, Uh, they would have been white because people would have worked in there 24 hours a day and you needed it to be as bright as possible and in there you see this kind of uh, where you would have had this huge uh, fire pit and uh, where you would have had the spit And somebody standing there turning probably seven or eight spits at a time. Mm. They would have got incredibly hot. And on many occasions, they might well have fallen in. Um, oh. most of the staff, especially if you were working in Hampton Court Palace, they were allowed to have a lot of beer or a lot of wine. I mean, there was a fountain in the courtyard where wine would have poured from uh, from the spout. So a lot of the time, the kitchen staff were drunk and they might well have fallen in the fire. Oh, my goodness. Mm.
0: But the Spit Boys were really, really good, weren't they? Mm. And they were known... Um, do you know about them being imported to France? No. Oh, so the um, the spit boys and they weren't boys; they were uh, men. But th- you called like the lower ranks. You called them boys. Mm. Um, the French today call us as an insult les rosbifs, and it's thought that they call us that because we eat beef. But no, apparently the story is that our spit boys were so good that in the Tudor period, the French would actually import the spit boys to go and roast meat over in France for them as well, and so that's why they wow. call us les rosbifs. That's, oh, I love yeah. that, gosh so, um, not, not all of them are d- too drunk To, to go and uh, take a promotion to, uh, No,
1: no, exactly to go to oh, Good for House. them um, Now I have got kind of uh, This is from Hampton Court Palace Like a typical year In the Royal Kitchen Served 1,240 oxen 8,200 sheep 2,330 deer 760 calves 1,870 pigs and 53 wild boar.
0: Goodness me. And they weren't there the whole time, were they, either? No. No, 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 no. They'd have been moving no. around.
1: But yeah, they kind of suggest that people would have consumed each 23 animals every year. <laughs> and these are big animals. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Um, now, they also would have had whale meat.
0: So there was. They'd whale uh, meat
1: yeah <laughs> you've had it
0: no no dead whale
1: oh dead whale yes of course yeah they probably use that actually wait what was the time no it was uh, no, no, no. a couple no, of years beforehand but <laughs> can you imagine henry the hears about this dead whale bring it over oh, now ho- hoik it out that sounds like dinner yeah and there is this myth about spices and herbs being used to cover up uh the fact that meat had become quite kind of old and and not smelling uh as good as it should but they loved putting spices in their foods just like we do today so a sign that,
0: again it was like food miles wasn't it it was mm. whereas now we're very conscious of food miles back then it was a sign of you know symbol of wealth and and so you're bringing in Spices and things from the Middle East and yeah. you know, it's like Iraq and Iran and and yeah, yeah, because like I mean, you can afford to.
1: Absolutely, um, Henry the Eighth was known to have around five thousand calories a day. This was quite typical, not just because you know he was a large man himself, but quite typical of Tudors at the time. And this is because of the amount of protein, the amount of meat that they had. Apparently, their diet was about eighty percent protein however they did have so many vegetables they had leeks and onions carrots and when it came to carrots they had purple carrots black carrots white carrots Mm. apparently these colorful carrots would have been on the plate up until the time of King William III who actually kind of got rid of the other carrots and said I only want the orange ones because they are the sweetest and then since then, we kind of stopped producing, I guess, as many of these colourful carrots.
0: Well, as I understand it, there was a, a thing where they, they actively bred the orange ones because he was king of, uh, of the Netherlands, so the House of Orange.
1: So well, exactly. That's... It's not called William the Orange for nothing, is it? Exactly! <laughs> <laughs> now, also, you know, you've got no refriger- refrigeration. So when it comes to fruit, it's very seasonal with apricots for instance um, which was quite a new thing here in Tudor England at the time where Henry started uh, having or creating these orchards with these wonderful apricot trees and people would have been just so uh, enamoured with them, they were incredibly sweet uh, but you would have only have been able to eat them a couple of weeks every year so I think that must have been quite lovely to think, Oh, you know, apricot season is just round the corner, yeah. and having that first little sweet taste picking it off the tree and knowing that you really had to enjoy it and remember that flavor because it was mm. going to be a couple of weeks until you had it again a couple of well, a couple of weeks couple of weeks a couple of weeks, couple of yeah well, a year yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we know that Mary Tudor was very fond of pears. Um, there are accounts of people like Jane Seymour and Elizabeth York, who was Henry VIII's mother, um, always kind of uh, eating cherries. And um, hygiene... Was a massive thing as well There are old videos And old films of the Tudors uh, People kind of eating around the dinner table Henry VIII in particular Being really messy with his meat Like the meat's falling down his beard It's everywhere, you know There's alcohol spilling But actually cleanliness and hygiene was very important to the Tudors they would always rinse their hands and face before every meal and this was done in clean cold water they would also uh, rinse their mouth out they would do this first thing in the morning and uh, I can't even begin to imagine what their breath was like <laughs> <laughs> they're drinking alcohol all the time they're drinking all of this rich food and toothpaste isn't obviously a thing. Not a thing no. I mean in terms of toothpaste they're using like salt and charcoal together and they would use uh, like a little bit of cloth instead of a brush so they would put this salt and charcoal and kind of rub it on the teeth mm-hmm. but that's not going to get rid of the, the
0: breath is it? hmm well, I don't know because charcoal's is quite a sort of neutral, neutralizer, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. No, I mean, think? let's face it; it's not going to be quite as minty fresh as we used. No.
1: Actually, you do get charcoal toothpaste, don't you? A lot yeah, of people do. do use charcoal. So, uh, yeah, maybe they did. Maybe. But they would always have kind of perfume, aromas, oils, or different things around them, like rosemary, thyme, to kind of make them make them smell Lovely a little bit Lovely ladies, sweeter. rosemary and thyme. Lovely. Yeah, they they really were, <laughs> weren't they? Um. Now, in terms of the morning, it would start very early for some people, especially if you were the bakers, because the bakers, they would start their day probably about 5 a.m. and they had to make so much bread, especially if you were in Hampton Court Palace or in one of the five great palaces that Henry VIII lived in then you had to cook for so many people Mm. and you'd be making uh, a lot of bread not to be consumed that day because the Tudors didn't really like very fresh bread they thought that it tasted better and was better for you if it was a couple of days old Mm. if it had like a bit more of a a hard kind of feel to it White bread was always consumed by uh, people of good quality, Um, (laughs) they (laughs) say. The rich.
0: People of good quality, I like that.
1: (laughs) Um, And brown bread was uh, consumed by the lower classes. So instantly, you know, visually, you would be able to see, um, you know, where you're going in terms of status. Now breakfast and I should say as well in terms of these Tudor meals today we think of our main meal being dinner I guess um, which you know could be any time from about 5 o'clock maybe to 8.30 this didn't happen in the Tudor world your main meal was midday Mm. but remember this is going to go on for about two hours. And they didn't have
0: three meals did they they did two a day didn't they?
1: Yeah, so they had
0: breakfast
1: and then they had their main meal and then they might have kind of had a little snack later, but it was nothing nothing that huge. So 5,000 calories smushed into those two meals. Exactly. And breakfast would have been a bit of bread butter sage the butter would have been really beautiful they had these gorgeous molds um where they would turn them into kind of birds little swans or little boats that would kind of be on the table you know almost like a a work of art that you didn't really want to change at all and cut into it um you would have ale first thing in the morning fabulous which uh you know, you might think, well, is everybody rolling around completely off their uh, off their chops? Um, but <laughs> it wouldn't have been brewed for a very long time. So in terms of the strength of the ale, it wouldn't have been that sharp on the tongue. Um,
0: they wouldn't have gone near water, would they? No. Well, um, yes and no. So for the most part, water, I mean, it's what everyone knows, oh, water was, was bad for you. Actually, at Hampton Court they did have um, access to a freshwater um, channel that they'd brought in from a stream, so you could there, um, but most people were used to just sort of doing, yeah, having, what's the word, kind of, um, yeah, just the long beer, as they called it, which was the... Um, I mean, it's, not, it's nowhere near as alcoholic as it is today. No. But it, th- that brewing process would make it safe to drink. Yeah. So you were be used to that.
1: Now, children were weaned on ale... And this is where we get the expression toddler from, because they literally used to toddle around after they drank the ale, kind of staggering to the left and right. And that's where we get the name toddler.
0: Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, that's mad, isn't it? Even now, I suppose, even our sober toddlers are like drunk adults. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 exactly. Um, There was cider. Cider did exist, but apparently it was kind of seen as a poor man's drink. And wine was a very expensive product that was only consumed by the wealthy. And as I say, when you went into Hampton Court Palace, one of the fountains there uh, would have had wine just pouring out of it. And I think they've got like a sculpture of a man leaning against the wall as if he's had like far too much. Because you could have just, you know, put your goblet underneath and away you go. Amazing. And this is a time as well when Henry VIII, at the time of Hampton Court Palace, when he used it, he's kind of in his 20s, in his 30s, and most of his friends around him are of that age. So you can imagine it being incredibly kind of uh, energetic boisterous um lots of flirtations lots of alcohol but as soon as you entered the dinner hall you had this kind of etiquette and these rules that you you had to abide by whoever you were you had to gosh
0: it's, it's i quite like that for that you know it's, it. i think a lot of people think that tudors have that thing of you know, gnawing on chicken legs and chucking them over their shoulder and mm. you know all sort of being like Whoa! but uh, then totally not at all and I really no. I really love dispelling that that myth
1: yeah yeah absolutely and um, now this is from Hampton Court Palace as well this is uh, just kind of a, a, a typical first and second course and remember if you are Someone like Henry VIII, and you're eating in the presence of Henry VIII, then you're probably going to have seven or nine courses. But I'll just read these two out for you. Mm -hmm. There's obviously a lot of uh, kind of uh, names here that are a bit unfamiliar to me, especially in the way that I pronounce them. Love (laughs) it. Let's do it. (laughs) Here we go. First course: cheat bread and manchet. I know what a manchet is. A manchet is a, a white roll. Okay. Beer and ale. Flesh for pottage chines of beef venison in brews or malts pestles of deer carps of young veal in arm faced custard That's brilliant <laughs> uh, garnished or fritters So um, there's a lot of meat going on there. And there's often, when it comes to uh, a course that you might think of being quite savoury, you often have something that's a little bit sweet in there that sounds like it's a pudding, but it's actually custard that could perhaps be part of the pie or within one of the stews. So the Tudors very much loved something that I guess that we like today, which is this kind of sweet and sour. Uh, The second course, jelly. Ipocras, creams of almonds, pheasants, ham, uh, sh- <laughs> shovelard, cocks. <laughs> <laughs> shovelard! <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want, um... <laughs> larkers, rabbits, venison in fine past <laughs> tarts and fritter. Uh, so there you go. Any of that kind of... Uh, I mean, you do food tours. Is, uh, I do. You know,
0: any of that? Can I do a Tudor food, food tour. I mean, it would be very yeah. meat-heavy. Vegans do not apply. Um, <laughs> it would be, wouldn't it? God. But it is, it is, like you said, You know, a lo- and we should say that this is not how the normal folk are eating. This is how no. the court is eating. But there's a lot of meat there, and there's not much in the way of sweet stuff. Little bits, like you said. Not, not yet. I mean, though. but
1: this is the first and second course. Yeah. So the sweet stuff does absolutely come... You know, so when I say tarts and fritter, this is part of the second course, which today you would think of being just savory, but you've got kind of like these little kind of bits of sugar here and there. Yeah, absolutely. Fish was very important. To yep. the Tudor diet as well, so there would have been a lot of fish. There would have been these little pies where the fish heads would have been poking out the top. And remember, it's very important to be able to see exactly what it looked like when it died. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> to see these kind of fish heads <clears throat> poking out the pie, oh, I don't know, I would have ran a mile. I think well,
0: is that that thing is it, Stargazy Pie, which is like that, which you can still find. Yeah, like
1: that's the thing, one. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. um You also would have had something known as a void. Course and it's a void course because they basically clear the whole table so it becomes void getting ready for the next course and during this void um, everyone had to stand Um, you would eat this particular course standing up which would have consisted of uh, sweet meats uh, wafers and spiced wine interesting and oh, i think this is one way to clean your palate isn't it <laughs> yeah absolutely and probably quite good for the legs because remember this is going on for a couple of hours so to yeah. have a course where you're allowed to kind of stand and stretch and move around a little yeah. uh, would have been good and then you know finally at the end we come to this kind of decorative course where we have these amazing cathedrals or Boats or battles or people that have been cast out of spun sugar and marzipan. And you know the ones I mean, don't you, Alex? Yeah, yeah, yeah I do, yeah. Mm, like really, really beautiful. It would have taken the, the people that were on the conf- uh, confection front such a long time, you know, carving out these little windows or these little crenellations on top of a castle, little doors. Sometimes they would create out of sugar um little stained glass windows where they mm-hmm. would color little bits of it it's just beautiful yeah, really they'd really have, they have
0: some molds as well where you could press the sugar paste in and then create boxes and in the boxes would then mm. hold um well things that they uh saw as sort of breath freshers ref- refreshes which would be like um what's that that herb that you you often still get them actually um Indian takeaways the Oh, it's not aniseed, is it? Yes, it is, it's aniseed, that's oh, it. Is it? Yeah. aniseed and but You'd often have aniseed, but they'd, again, they'd be covered in a little sort of sugar paste, so yeah. they'd be in this sugar pot, and you could take the lid off, and it was painted, and sometimes even made with gold leaf as well. And in mm. theory, you could actually eat the sugar pot too, because everything's made out of sugar. Gosh. And it's about, again, that that wealth, that, that going, hey, we've got the cash to be able to do this, because the sugar would have come in from places like, you know, Iran and, and stuff like that, so,
1: Yeah 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 exactly so and at this point you know we start seeing a lot of tooth decay there are medieval skulls which shows people with no teeth problems at all but then as soon as we charge into the 16th century my goodness me i mean queen elizabeth I. she was known to put sugar around the rim of every single cup that she drank from Mm. and when it came to creating this paste that I mentioned with salt and charcoal at the end of the evening. Apparently, the last taste that she wanted in her mouth before she went to sleep was this sweet, sugary taste. <laughs> she would put sugar instead of salt, and uh, eventually her teeth
0: would start to rot. <laughs> <laughs> Especially without the, like, the tooth hygiene that we have today.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and as you said, you know, like with this kind of um, the aniseed... Uh, at the end of the meal, this this thing about how sugar was something that closed the stomach. So mm-hmm. it aided digestion, it was believed. And it's not too dissimilar from like a sweet throat lozenger. Like, yeah. you know, if you have like a, a honey lozenger or a cherry one, it's very, very sweet. And it's why we have a pudding course today. It's because having that sugar at the end of the meal, they really believed that that was going to help aid <laughs> you <laughs> from having all of this meat and all of the kind of uh, the jelly and all these different custards and things mm. marmalade they tended to have like a little spoon of marmalade as they believed that this would soothe the stomach as well a little bit like a an indigestion tablet wow It's
0: <laughs> <That's Yeah>. intriguing <laughs> yeah
1: cardinal wolsey who was Henry VIII's right hand man if you like who eventually fell from grace but he was quite up there he held lots of banquets and on one particular banquet he had over a hundred sculptures that were brought in these sugar sculptures during the second course. Um, There are some drawings of uh, this particular uh, banquet online I'll put a few up
0: on Instagram um, in the week. And banquets as well um, weren't banquets so the word banquet, we always think of it as being this full feast that you've explained. Mm. A banquet was only sugar. Yes. So And it would yeah. only be a couple of times a year. So that whole sugar, you know, because of course you're not going to have all these amazing boxes and, and people and creations every single meal. Like five or six times a year, it would be the banquet and it would just be sugar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So ban- a banquet is not what you think it is. A banquet is no. not just a full on feast. All that meat that Emily is describing is is a fairly standard meal. Standard. But the banquet
1: is is occasional. Exactly, the banquet is the sugar, the the feast for the eyes, as oh, they yeah. say. And they said this as well that they're in people's house that didn't. You know couldn't afford all of these wonderful sugar sculptures what they would do is they would get a tiny little bit of sugar and they would just put it over the top of a dessert and this was known as a feast for the eyes because it was right on top of what you're about to eat and that was the thing that made you think oh my god this is really special because you've got a little bit of sugar on top and not inside so we can visibly see it
0: brilliant so good
1: yeah. Um trust was a big thing, especially in Henry the ape's court, because he was constantly um worried that somebody was going to try and poison him. It has been said that he was a huge hypochondriac. Mm. And um do you know the story of Richard Roos? I don't know. So Richard Roos, he was the cook for a man called Bishop Fisher. Okay. You
0: know Bishop Fisher. Yeah, yeah, no,
1: Bishop Fisher. Yeah. So, Bishop Fisher, um, if you've been to the Tower of London, you might hear stories of him. He was locked up at the Tower at one time. But he was um, his cook, and Bishop Fisher had maybe kind of 11 or 12 people around, and suddenly they all fell dramatically <sighs> ill. And uh, it suddenly came out that Richard the cook had put this kind of white pepper into their soup, not necessarily to kill them, he said, but it was like a bit of a joke. (laughs) But uh, that particular night, Bishop Fisher decided to not eat anything, so he didn't get ill. But Henry VIII heard about this and said, "This man has to be killed." And he actually charged into Westminster, into Parliament, raised it himself, Henry VIII, because he was so, you know, concerned about these poisoners really? going around. That in the end, Richard Roos was boiled to <gasps> death in Smithfield. No. No. Yeah,
0: and um, I guess he was boiling, wasn't he? Yeah, I know.
1: In like a big pot because he was a cook, so he would have been Jeez. constantly, you know, putting things into a boiling, hot kind of uh, pot. And then he was killed himself. How terrible is that? Well,
0: that's awful. I know. I mean, Henry VIII has got form for doing terrible things, but still, yeah, that is yeah. awful. Definitely.
1: Um. Now it was a communal affair dining. However, Henry VIII it's very rare that he would have actually have dined in the great hall mm. obviously if there was you know a wedding or something incredibly special and obviously he had quite a few weddings then he he was there but if it was just a normal standard meal he went off to his own little private room probably had a little circle of friends perhaps his current wife at the time <laughs> but um, whichever
0: one happened to be there
1: <laughs> yeah but it's quite rare that you actually would have stared upon the king eating yeah and his daughter Elizabeth the First, she did this as well. She kind of often died alone, uh, dined, should I say, not died. <laughs> well, she did kind of, I guess. She was the Virgin Queen after all. Um, but the Georgians, a little bit later on, they're the ones that love to be looked at, don't they? Yeah, when it comes absolutely. to eating, yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: Now you would have had the highest rank sat at the top of the table and of course they would have been raised they would have been sat on a chair and everybody else on benches and the most important people would have sat to the right of the king going around towards the left so the further left to the king you were the less important so moving around from the right to the left of going from the most important and down Yeah Um, There would have been this kind of ritual of laying the table. It would have been quite... um, The only way I could describe it really is like a dance. Like everything has its particular moment and is placed in a certain fashion. Okay. Um, And it was very bad if you spill anything on the cloth. Not only because laundry was you know really it was really hard to kind of wash things back then um but the particular cloths that they were using and the different kind of napkins and things were very expensive so everybody would have eaten really gently and they wouldn't have been quick they would have taken their time
0: yeah and i think this is again another thing is that they everyone thinks it was sort of Yeah, really almost ferocious... And Mm. it's kind of like fighting over dinner... And it totally wasn't at all...
1: Mm. And you might have heard of... A mess... Yeah... So... um, You you might kind of hear them... When it comes to maybe army barracks... Mm -hmm. Where a mess... You might think of is perhaps a room... A gathering of people that are going to eat... So the mess was... The food itself... It was a plate of food... And you would share the mess. Yeah. Unless you were the king or queen. Yeah. So if you're the king or queen, you'd have your own. Um, and then going down the ranks, you would either kind of share it between two people or four people. And if you were in the court of, say, King Henry VIII, you couldn't start until he started. Yeah. So he was the first person to pick up the food.
0: And if it wasn't him, it would be that that top person in that Yeah, chair.
1: exactly. If he wasn't there, then it would be the next person to the right. Yeah. Um, and touching somebody else's food was really, really bad, which is why it was so important that this is your mess, you're sharing it with this person next to you, or this person opposite, yeah. and you're not going to help yourself to any other food. Like, the idea of a buffet is actually the um, the plates, isn't it?
0: Mm, it's yeah. the,
1: um, the things that you put the food on. Yeah. Whereas we think today of a buffet as being lots of different elements of food that you're all going to kind of help yourself and share. Yeah. But sharing just wouldn't have been... Wouldn't have been like we know today.
0: Joey doesn't share food. Joey doesn't
1: share. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back friends. <laughs> um, and this is why as well, people brought their own cutlery with them. So they... Um, i have to say forks didn't come in until 1611 mm-hmm. uh they were using forks elsewhere kind of in france at the time and they were seen as these kind of you know oh that's a fancy foreign notion we don't need yeah. we don't need and they thought forks. they were quite
0: dirty as well didn't they because of the times and you know all that sort of stuff
1: yeah yeah and lo and behold you know what it's done to, to people's teeth because it changes the way as soon as you start eating with a fork it changes the way your teeth start to really? move really yeah Yeah, it's the same with, like, sucking your farm and anything that kind of, like, I don't know, does something to make your mouth, you know, repeat a a certain action. Um, So everyone had their own knife and spoon. Again, this is for cleanliness. And this is why you've got that thing where, for a christening gift, you might give somebody a spoon. And it goes oh, why? back to this time because everybody had their own spoon. Mm. And, you know, when you're first born, this is going to be your spoon. And when you get invited to your first, you know, big event, you can take your own spoon. There it is. I didn't realise that was why. Yeah. Interesting. Um, people would have something known as a trencher and this is a a place setting if you like Um, some of them would just look like a plate or some of them would look like a square with a circle indentation where you'd put the main bit of your food and then there would be kind of a, a little indentation where you'd put your cutlery and maybe your cup and some of them from what I've seen are just so beautiful Gold, or you know, if you're kind of don't have as much money, it might be made out of pewter or something, but really, really beautiful.
0: Or often wood as well. The wood, the classic wood one is, yeah, that's true. And before it was wood, it was made out of the bread, wasn't it? Was it? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was Ah. made out of so there's this this bread that you mentioned that were sort of they let to go stale a bit. Yeah, you'd chop out this kind of square thing from these, these square loaves of bread, and then you would use that as a trencher, and then after a few days of using it because you'd reuse it it, the gravy and everything would have softened it enough and then it would be given to the poor to eat
1: oh that sounds delicious yeah you know you sometimes get those restaurants that they serve soup in a bread roll in a bread bowl oh
0: fantastic it's kind of like that really yeah Yeah.
1: they'd also use bread to um, uh, wipe their spoons before you know if they're going to put the spoon into something or if they're going to put the top of the knife into a bit of salt They would always then use the bread as a cloth, if you like. Um, The napkin. There would have been a napkin draped over the left shoulder. And this is because it was believed that the devil, blooming little devil, (laughs) um, (laughs) apparently rests on your shoulder. So having uh, the kind of the napkin, you would flick it over your shoulder as if to kind of flick away the devil. Oh,
0: wow. Over the left shoulder. Yeah, because that is the side of the devil, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and this is why you throw salt over your left shoulder, because yeah. you hope that the salt's going to land in uh, the devil's or the Satan's eyes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> do you still do that? I do that. I always throw salt over my left shoulder.
1: Oh, do you know what? There are a few kind of superstitions that I do do. I don't do that one. I do yeah, I do the magpie soul, I... one.
0: I do the magpie one as well. Mm. Weird, isn't it? It is weird. It's, weird.
1: it's just drummed into you, isn't it? No yeah apparently also if you um used your left hand then that was really bad because apparently satan controlled the left hand yeah uh so if you did then you uh, well you're probably beaten until you use the right hand or something terrible because well, it was I'm, seen as so bad my,
0: my cousin who's about my age nearly a year or so younger he went because he's left-handed when he was a kid he he was beaten to try and get him to write with his right hand. That was in the eighties. Really? Yeah, in the eighties. 80s? The eighties. Oh. Yeah. Oh my he god. He used to smack his hand to make him to make him try and use his right one. Didn't work because you know he's left handed. But wow, yeah, it's, I mean, it's why it's also why like in Italian, left is sinistra because it's sinister. Oh, it's about that but, sinister. You know, yeah. Oh, there you go. Um hat.
1: Now you would sometimes see people wearing hats. If you wore a hat whilst you were dining, then you were basically giving you giving everybody else the knowledge that you were uh you know, you ranked yourself pretty high. Oh I see. And apparently if you met somebody that you'd never met before, you had to take off your hat instantly. So you both did. And then it was seen as really rude if you were the first person to put it on. Because you're basically saying to that person, <laughs> I've just understood from the conversation that we've had that I am higher than you. Really?
0: <laughs> and then you put it on. And then the person that's not got it on is like, damn it. <laughs> so I should have put it on just first. take your hat off while you were dining completely?
1: Um, no, I think you'd keep it on. You Unless you had met somebody for the first time. So I guess if you... It would be a bit awkward, because if you knew the person to the left, every time you look left, you had your hat on. And every time you look right to the person that you've just met, you had to take it off. I don't know, a bit awkward. <laughs> now, in the normal household... You would have um, a table that wasn't fixed, so you would have this kind of, um, this wooden trestle, these two kind of legs, these wooden legs, and you'd put a board just on top, and this is where we get lots of fantastic expressions, Um, so conversations over the table would take place maybe about farming or kind of you know labor or whatever so this is where we get the term board meeting from Mm -hmm. you have uh chairman of the board because the most important person of the household even if you didn't have that much money would sit on a chair and everybody else would sit on a bench so you get chairman of the board um, you would often, if you were uh, around this particular table and it was a work situation, at the end of the day, the person that was the treasurer, if you like, would put all of the coins on the table to show people how much um, they had earned. And this is where we get um, above board. So everything's above board because oh. all the coins would be visible on the table. Intriguing. Underneath the board, they would often have kind of cut into this uh, long piece of wood some kind of game that they could play so they would turn the board over and this is where we get game board from or board game or board game did i say game board yes okay it's a bit late <laughs> game board nobody says <laughs> board. that emily okay moving on is that a phrase? Uh, <laughs> You've also got a bed and board because people would, uh, you know, be invited into the home and you could sleep there. And if you had bed and board, it meant that you were going to be able to get a bit of food as well and kind of sit around the table. Um, Also, tread in the boards. Mm -hmm. So uh, if somebody is an actor or you think somebody is an actor, you might say, oh, you, you know, do you tread the boards? So they would use the table as a stage, essentially. Oh, wow and today when it comes to putting your elbows on the table and you know no elbows on the table that's really bad etiquette this comes from this time because the 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 board wasn't attached to the legs so if only a few people on one side put their elbows on then it might well tip it over
0: oh interesting
1: yeah so this has you know become such a thing now isn't it
0: (laughs) and there's another thing i don't know if you are you are you going to mention about the the finger You know how everyone thinks that Brits drink tea with their finger out? Oh, no, go for it. You know about this one? I just love it. kind of fits. Just made me think of this because um, everyone thinks that that Brits, yeah, we drink tea with our little pinky finger out. And this comes from the Tudor time as well. And you were talking about knives and spoons. Um, And what you'd often do is dip your finger into spices or possibly some sauce and things like that. And you didn't want that to, you were talking about how you don't touch other people's food and it's all very separate. So you don't want that to kind of... You're going to be licking that, so you, you're then going to keep that out of the way as you're taking other bits of food. So that's why your, your finger sticks out, because you've been licking that. it's so brilliant, out. isn't it? It's
1: great. Everybody's just got their little kind of dirty finger. Yeah. <laughs> but it just it just goes to show you that it's all about hygiene and etiquette. Yeah. And it's
0: completely different to what people think about these. Yeah. You know, And there was no sort of... Farting at the table No scratching your bum Or fingers in your hair It's all no, No
1: That could have been seen As very bad form You know Even the conversation You had to keep conversation going Had to keep polite conversation going um, Which must have been so hard Because you know You're drinking And you know You're getting more and more full So you might want to rest your head On the table for a little bit (laughs) And you can't excuse yourself Until the most important person Has left Um, and actually, there's a painting in Hampton Court Palace, and it's called the, the Family of Henry VIII. Do you know it?
0: I do, yes. It's a, it's a fake news uh, version of his family, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's um, an image of somebody being the king's fool. And he's known as being the king's fool because he's standing there, or at least being depicted, and he's standing with his arms crossed. And apparently this was seen as, well, you were just such a fool if you would cross your arms. So you would never talk to somebody with your arms crossed, like ever in the Tudor period. Like you were seen as such an idiot. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? Don't be so disrespectful. (laughs) And that That would be definitely at the table. You know, if somebody was talking, they had their arms crossed, which I guess has still kind of come forward a bit because, you know, I think I remember my parents saying to me like don't cross your arms like you're being really? rude
0: yeah Oh, isn't it weird how we've all taken these things from a couple of hundred years ago and we're still living by them now it is isn't it um so yeah i think that's
1: about it really i think that's about it that's
0: i'll about end it, it there that's yeah. amazing <laughs> oh there's one more though you were talking about where words come from uh, square meal do you know where
1: that one comes from oh oh is this the bread
0: well, it's in the square trenchers that you mentioned. So, bread oh, could be. Bread, right. it could be um, so, at, at the table, you would have people taking bits from the main thing. But if, especially if you were on a ship at sea, you would have your trencher, in, and because that you weren't having so much sort of formal, you you would fill your your trencher up. Uh, and if it, if all the food went to the sides, and it was called a, you know, it's a hearty meal, it's a square meal.
1: So that's where we get like you know people say four square meals a day. Yeah. Wow. Oh, all three. all three. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Emily. <laughs> i <I'm> actually <eating>. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so you
0: get square And when um, Henry VIII's um, battleship, the Mary Rose, when she was found, when she was brought up, there were loads of these wooden trenches on, on board. Oh. Um, so it wouldn't wow. happen so much if you're sitting in the court at Hampton Court. Like you said, there's, there's different things that you take the food from. But if you were yeah. having to kind of... Take all your food and then go and find somewhere to eat like on board a ship or you having to you know, mm. not having the time to do the sort of relaxed eating. Yeah. Then yeah, you'd fill it up and that was your square meal. Mm. There, we go. there you go. Great, thanks, go. Em. You're I love, I love talking about the Tudors and their, their eating habits. I think it's really fascinating. And, and Hampton Court Palace, even though you, you've very loosely done it to St. James's Palace <laughs> today. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can't visit St. James's Palace. So Hampton no. Court, one of the things I love the most about it is the the kitchen area. Um, yeah. With those huge six fireplaces and, you know, because the, 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 they still have kitchen gardens there. So... You know, all the, the garden stuff, all the vegetables coming in from there. And, and they're often roasting. They usually have the fire going. They're often roasting meats there as well. Yeah. Um, which is brilliant. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Hey. Amazing. Podcast Pedestal. So, Podcast Pedestal. Now, we should say we're, we're changing Podcast Pedestal slightly in that we're going to be posting it on Instagram earlier in the week than we used to. So we're probably going to be doing it on the day that the podcast comes out. So probably a Wednesday afternoon or evening, maybe. Um, so that will be the, t- the new time to go and check for the polls. Um, we're just jigging around with, the, with peak season coming up when we're recording to make things a little bit easier for us. Um, so it'll be Wednesdays. But what do you want to pick this weekend? What are you going for? I know straight away. Go on then. Sugar banquets. Sugar banquets. That's a great one. That is a great yeah, one. I it's like It's got that. to be,
1: hasn't it? Like, yeah. the, the visual aid of it. And because I guess they wouldn't have probably eaten them, really, because you would have had so many other sugary treats on the table. Oh, no,
0: they would have, they would have smashed into them. Do you think? Yeah, God, absolutely. That would have been mega it be the waste, sweet, it?
1: wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I guess you can imagine, like, if you're the servants and you think, you know, you take it out and go, God, I bloody hope they don't eat this. <laughs> you know, it's the hope that they might get it themselves. Yeah. There must have been so much left over.
0: Oh, there must yeah, there must have been. Um, mm. You might have probably have, have, have ground it back down again and, and reused mm. it. Yeah, um, true. And if you are at Hampton Court Palace, if you're visiting, then uh, you you can go through the Georgian section. There's it's it's a mm. palace of two halves, Tudor and Georgian. And in the Georgian section, there is a table laid up with a kind of late Tudor banquet, and it's as if it was the the, the sugary things, but they done in paper, so you can kind of get a, a sense yes. of what it was like. Um, yeah, that's a really good choice. I like that one. I'm gonna go. Thanks. I'm gonna go along the same lines as, as you in terms of the sort of fantastical nature of of the the, the food that they're eating. I'm gonna go for the, the kind of reconstituted peacock. Are you now? Yeah, the
1: reconstituted
0: peacock. I think, do you think that's oh. a good? No, maybe really, is that not a good choice? No, I
1: do that. think that's a great choice because it says so much about the presentation.
0: Or do I do? I quite like the board as well, being all those stories from the board. Mm. Oh yeah. No, I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go um, reconstitute a peacock. Although let's not call it that because that's a weird. Yeah. What do you want me to call it? Um, The I don't know peacock at the feast or something like that but you know what I you know what I mean it's been yeah the dressed it's been cooked it's been re you know redone and then redressed and this huge peacock on the table with you know with those feathers it would have looked incredible yeah Um, yeah
1: you wouldn't have wanted to eat that would you
0: yeah I think I would (laughs) oh God. you're sick aren't you yeah <laughs> i'll try most things oh, you'd
1: have been there put it on instagram Your head it behind <laughs> it
0: <laughs> yeah I, i'm gonna go for the uh the, the yeah the, the, the plate of peacock okay. oh there we go well there we go folks plate of peacock is that what you plate want it P- yeah. plate
1: of peacock well, we'll,
0: we'll maybe figure out a more title plate out, but... of
1: peacock All the sugar banquets
0: sugar mm. banquets those there are your options are. for this week um, so there we go amazing cool now before we head on anything any parish notices that we need to tell anyone
1: well just um to say in terms of this competition to enter yeah. you just need to send us a photo of you in your most pleasurable place i still can't say it with the straight face yeah. um so yeah, on you know <laughs> As I say, keep it clean. But, um, yeah, we've had some fantastic photographs. So sweet of some places that, you know, is your happy place, shall we say.
0: Yeah, and I couldn't find a way of being able um, for you to put that on the website and attach a photo because, well, I could have done, but we'd have had to pay another 150 quid to upgrade the website. <laughs> oh, sorry, so guys. You can just send us an email. Just send us an email. Or you could, or, you know, enter there and send us the photo or just send, email us at ladieswholondon at gmail.com with the photo. Um we had some great ones. We had um, uh, someone in a, you know, snuggled up in a duvet. Yeah. What else have we had? We had some. Uh, I think some people. Someone was in there in their local library. Yeah, I had um,
1: one with somebody underneath an umbrella,
0: ooh. and it was
1: raining. And I guess kind of like I don't know. Maybe you love the sound of the rain. Something joyous about being out in the
0: rain, though, isn't there? Do you not know think? Yeah,
1: underneath an umbrella. Yeah, it looked pretty cozy actually.
0: Mm, okay. Mm. Well, we'll be announcing the winners next week, and then we'll put you in touch with um, Eric Michael. Um, Stone Street who will be uh then getting in touch and you can tell him what what style, what colour, what size you want, and all that kind of thing. There we go. Yeah, great. The wheel of destiny. Okay. It is time. It is time. Let's do it. As always, are you ready for
1: my finger? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Rarely, but let's do it anyway. Is it your little <laughs> finger covered in spices and sauce? Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Off we go. <laughs>
0: It's landed in Aldwych. Oh, okay. Um, so, sort of Covent Garden y kind of area. What have we got? Um, it, I was tempted by maybe talking a bit about King's College University. There's quite a lot of really interesting people, or, or linking somebody from there. Although, um, oh, I tell you what, I read about the other week, which I thought would make a really good episode. Is a thing called the Enon Chapel scandal. Have you heard of wow. this? Do you know what?
1: I think I've heard you mention it, but I haven't. I don't know the I, might, ins and I think outs I messaged it. you the other
0: day when I when I read about it, and I said, "Oh, this this would be really this good." This has got to be an episode. Um, okay, brilliant. Now I don't know how much there's going to be on it. It might be relatively short, but if that's the case, then I might pop something else in with it. But it's it's a bit of a gory story. Oh, hello. It for a couple of weeks, um, and it's quite a shocker, actually. So I think that I'm gonna go Enon Chapel scandal. Yeah, let's do that. Ah, You know me, I love a scandal. Brilliant, you love a bit of gore as well. Yeah, gory uh, scandal. Wow. Scandal. Let's do that. I'll be there. Amazing. Well, that's it for next week. Um, Thank you all for coming along and listening this week, listeners. We really appreciate it. Um, And you know, next time you're sitting at dinner, thinking about putting your elbows on the table, or you know. Um, flinging your napkin over your shoulder or whatever it might be, just take a little thought back to those lovely tutors (laughs) who uh, who were doing it all before you (laughs) Uh, and and stick that pinky finger out and go for it
1: (laughs) thank you so much guys, take care, have a lovely week bye